Hey, CEOs. Welcome back to the CEO Wing Woman Show. I'm your host, Christy Bowie, and I am so excited to take you through our conversation today. We are really hitting on these qualities about mental health, the aspects about being a business owner that really nobody talks about or tells you about that I know is going to make you a better business owner if you really have a handle on how all of this works and how to navigate it. Because unfortunately, mental health, what we're going to talk about today, grieving, all of this is a part of life. And when you're a business owner, it can tend to hit a little bit harder. So today I have Suzanne with me. Suzanne is a grieving mom who found the meaning in her loss through helping grievers and supporting them. After the sudden death of her son in September of 2020, at age 22, she knew she would only survive if she could stay conscious and curious about the grief journey. She now helps other grievers do the same as they chart their unique grief path. She quickly learned that most people had no idea how to support her. So she also works to help people, organizations, and businesses build the skills and protocol to better support people who are grieving and normalize grief as a healthy and expected part of our life. She's a transformational coach and workshop leader, as well as a certified grief educator. Suzanne, I am so excited to have you here today. Thank you so much, Christy. I'm thrilled to be here. It's really such an important conversation, and I think it's one that you know, business leaders and people aren't having because they're scared to even have the conversation about having the conversation. It's just so, it's so scary for all of us. So we're going to break down a bunch of that and help people at least get started. Yes, perfect. I love that. And I think I love, you know, what you say about grief is an expected and healthy part of life and not something we need to run away from. So I would love for you to kind of just give a little intro about where you came from and, and how you got where you are today. Okay, great. So I started on this kind of study and inquiry into grief and how it works and why it works the way it does and how we could fix that after my son died. Uh, so I basically, you know, experienced every parent's worst nightmare, got that middle of the night phone call. You know, I was watching something the other day and they were joking about that middle of the night phone call. And I was like, that call is no joke. <laughs> but it is one of those things that we kind of have to deflect because it's so horrifying to even contemplate. And so I'll tell you, it is as horrifying as you think. My son had died suddenly and unexpectedly. I was out of town with my daughter. So it all kind of went from there. And what I would say to grievers is it is as horrible as you think. And that's okay. And I think, you know, one of the things I learned really on was, as, as you mentioned in my intro, this idea, I just got this idea in my head and I just knew that the only way I would survive it was if I could stay conscious and curious. So it was about not going unconscious to any of the emotions. And, you know, as my daughter put it, it's all the emotions all the time. It's like a tsunami. Like that's the best way to describe it is with, for me anyway, is with water metaphors. Mm -hmm. It's a tsunami. It's all the time, all of them, all the ones that I was writing about this the other day, it's almost always all the ones that are like on the bad emotion list. So you have to break that down first, right? Because we have this weird paradigm that there's good emotions and bad emotions, positive and negative. Like, no, there are emotions. All of them are welcome. They have to be, or you just, it, it would be mm -hmm. maddening. They to all me. have their place. Yeah, they all have their place. And, and for me, I've really come to see that they all, you know, have something to teach us about ourselves, about the world, about, you know, choices we can make and, and all of that. So that was the conscious part. And then the curiousness for me was to just try to really hold on to a growth mindset. Like I had to hold on to 
what is this? Like, how do I even do this? How do I reconstruct my life? How do I, you know, I, I had this vision in the early days of like my life and who I was and me all in pieces around me on the floor, like big chunky puzzle pieces. And my arms were already full. I was already at capacity. And I'm looking around thinking, well, I don't even know how to pick these up. Like, I don't know how to put a life back together. Yeah. So that really, for me, just became how I would manage. And in those early days, I don't want to minimize how horrifying it is. Like those early days, the curiosity was like, how do I just breathe? Like, how do I stop Mm -hmm. my stress response enough that I can gasp a breath of air? (laughs) How do I stop sobbing and get oxygen into my body? Right. Now the curiosity is about, you know, for me, as I continue to navigate grief, which I will for the rest of my life, which is the other myth and something really important for business owners to understand, your team and you and your clients' customers are, are going to be grieving for way longer than we think, right? I don't know what leave is like in the States and it's different for all kinds of industries, but in Canada, it's very standard for it to be three days. Well, I'm going to tell you, you are not done grieving after three days. So grievers are at work. Most of them have to be financially. Many of them want to be. So there's some rhythm to their life and you're not just Mm -hmm. in the tsunami, right? There's points where you have to pull yourself out. and, And many people will be like me and they will openly grieve at work. I had to openly grieve wherever it hit me because otherwise I just wouldn't survive it. And, and then there's the complete opposite end of the spectrum where people come to work really just wanting that to be the place where for seven or eight hours or however long it is, they just hold it together and they have kind of a break from the onslaught and then they go home and they go back to the onslaught. And then there's everything in between, which is why we need to be having this conversation because especially now coming up. Out of, I don't even know how to articulate where we are with COVID coming out of. We all want to pretend it's over. Maybe. Yeah. I mean, who knows, right? <laughs> learning no to live with it, right? Ender. Yeah, exactly. We're learning to live with it, but that's put us in a place where we have a little bit more capacity to contemplate what these last almost now three years have mm-hmm. been and all we've lost. And I mean, I don't know about you, but for some reason, everyone in my life had a vacation booked in the spring or summer of 2020. Ugh. So yeah, right? I had an Alaskan cruise, <laughs> right? I was going to the Caribbean on a ship as well. So um, I'm with you. I feel it. But it is that sense of, you know, even if that's the only thing that you lost, which it isn't for anybody, mm-hmm. right? We all lost all kinds of things individually and as a collective, right? But we all lost things. And we're, my fear is in this rush back to normal, whatever that means for you. And if we're going to continue to not acknowledge that normal no longer exists and wasn't that great for everybody anyway. Anyway, we're rushing back to something. We're bypassing that grief. So then there's all this emotion that we're not allowing ourselves to feel. We're not allowing ourselves to acknowledge. So there's lots of work to be done. Yeah. And that's such a good point thinking about even if it's not something as obvious as an immediate death to us, mm-hmm. there are things that we might be grieving about these past few years of everything we missed. And, you know, I have a sibling who she went her last year of college, she came home, she had to start her job remotely. And it was like, oh, you missed the entire experience of leaving college and being on your own. And some of those things feel very dramatic and grief worthy as well. So I would love if you could share with us when there are situations, particularly we have clients or employees who maybe not 
openly have something that they're grieving about, but are there signs that we should look for that are exhibiting they might be grieving through something, even if we might not know, be able to pinpoint, you know, something that happens. Yeah. And I think that's just, I want to circle back because I think you've made a really important point. And I think we need to broaden our definition of what is worthy of grief, right? Mm -hmm. And really any loss we experience, you know, a job, a home. I mean, those are big ones. It could be a vacation, which seems like you shouldn't even really complain about that. But it's a loss that we need to at least acknowledge and, and something go, you were really sucked, to. right? It really mm-hmm. sucked. I'm still mad I lost that vacation. I'm still mad about it. And that's okay. But we're kind of all pretending that we don't need to think about those smaller losses. And they all add up too. So things to look for, I, I mean, there's the obvious ones, right? If people are spontaneously bursting into tears, you know, those are easy to see. I think for me, the biggest things that impacted my work and that I didn't even really know about before this grief experience. And this was not my first loss close to me, but it's certainly the one that I've learned the most from (laughs) and the one that was the most destabilizing for sure. I would watch for things like brain fog. So we don't talk a lot about brain fog as being an aspect of grief, but it is for sure. And the way that showed up for me and shows up for many grievers is around sequential tasking. So if you have someone that you could usually say, hey, can you, I can't even think of a good example. We'll just make it simple. Can you go to the filing cabinet? Can you get Mr. Jones' file? Can you take it to Sally who needs to make a note on it? And then can you bring it to me? In those very early days of grief, I would not have been able to remember and execute four simple steps, right? So if you have someone that used to get used to be able to say, hey, can you go this and that and the next thing and the other thing? And they kind of get one of them and then they have to come back. Or they look at you quizzically because that has literally gone and they couldn't cross any of it, right? Or they're doing task four and coming back to you and you're like, where did those other ones, what happened to those other ones? That would be a really good thing to watch for, right? People whose capacities have changed, my capacity rapidly diminished, like Mm -hmm. massively and rapidly diminished. Thank goodness I had a great team and I had an amazing boss who was like, yeah, you are no longer going to be responsible for this or that or the other thing. So watching for that. And then what I would really say is super critical. I was really close to my boss and I could talk to him about anything. So he had a front row seat to what I was going through on any given day. Not everyone has that kind of relationship at work. And you maybe Mm -hmm. don't have it, especially with clients and customers. But if you can approach them and say something like, you know, I can see that something's going on for you. And it's okay if you don't want to tell me about it. If you want to tell me about it, I'm totally here. And if you don't, that's fine. But is there something I can do to make the workplace better for you? Because the other thing I hear from grievers is that with the best of intentions, the workplace steps in and decides, well, we're going to take this from you. We're going to take that from you. We're going to take this other thing from you. And they're going, but wait, that's what's keeping my mind staying for this time that I'm at work. And then they're having to navigate people who are trying to help them, but it's not what they need. So that's the other pieces. Yes, you absolutely have to be doing what will keep your business functional. There's no question as the boss owner person, that has to be your bottom line, right? No question. I absolutely understand that. And if you can do that with keeping the griever's needs centered, that's going to be your sweet spot. So to yeah. go to them and say something like, it seems like you're having an off week. Is there anything I can help you with? 
would it be helpful for us to give you regular reminders? I was working with someone the other day who's a high-level CEO, exec suite kind of person. And she was working on a project with someone remotely because that's how we do things now, right? And this is someone that she had never actually met in person, but they had confided in her that they had had a loss of a person close to them and were grieving. And, And she sort of said to me like, I don't really know them well enough to get into the soup with them, even though she's very capable of that. She has that empathetic skill set, which is the other thing that I work with business leaders on is building that empathy set. Mm -hmm. So she had that. She was more than capable, but didn't feel like she had the relationship. And I said to her, you're working on this project with deadlines. Maybe a helpful offer would be to say, do you want me to help you with deadlines? to remember them, to touch base right before them, to see if you're on track or you need extra support. And if the person says no, then you have to leave it. Obviously, with that thought in the back of your head that if it all starts to fall to pieces, as is, you know, as the business person, you have to pick it back up, right? Mm -hmm. But things like that, like remembering what's due when, someone to remind of that would be brilliant help. Can we Mm -hmm. have a project calendar that everybody uses? And this is the other thing that's fascinating, Christy, is that All of these things that will help a griever are probably going to help the whole team. Yeah, things we probably should have been doing all along, but now we're just forced to stop and think a little bit more about our mental health. Yeah, so if we can put, and this is part of why I've made the focus of the training that I do with business leaders around empathy. If we could build those empathy skills and mindsets, and they are, I want to be really clear, they're skills and mindsets. This is not a magic elixir. It's not something you were supposed to be born with and so somehow you're lacking, right? We all have a whole bunch of guilt around it. It's just skills and mindsets. They're they're learnable, right? And so if we can learn those and expand our empathy and then also end up with all these tools to help a griever, then we can help everybody. Anybody who's having an off day, we then have the tools to go and say, hey, it looks looking like you're having an off day. Do you need anything or you just want to like muscle through? And that's where we get. You know, I, I was reading something the other day again about quiet quitting, right? It was the word of the year, whatever mm-hmm. year that was. And I thought, like, how do we prevent that? Oh, if your person is having an off day and you acknowledge that and say, hey, is there anything I can do? Or do you just want to muscle through? That person's not going to quiet quit on you. Right. Right. You People see them. know that you care. Yeah. You see them. You understand something's off. You're offering support. Like all of those things are where we then start to build a really big base of loyal employees, loyal customers, people who want to work with you. They don't know what skill set you've brought to the table. You've learned it on purpose, right? Yeah. But that's the bottom line. And that's, I think, where what really matters for businesses. The other thing that really matters for businesses, we all can see grief all around us. And we all can see that we're scared and we don't want to do the wrong thing. If we want to shift that culture, the fastest place I think that we can do it is at the workplace. Because Yeah, that's such a good point. That we, it's something we don't talk about, and it's something that hasn't been openly welcome in the workplace. And it's just not, like you said, you know, for you guys, there's three days, honestly, in any company I've had. I couldn't even tell you the policy because, like, it was never shared or talked about. Um, right. And it was like you had to go to somebody and be like, so this happened at yeah. a time when you're probably like, I don't want to talk about it. don't want to do anything. And we're saying um, that is like telling people was one of the hardest things, like having to yeah. say it over oh and my gosh. over. Oh, it just like getting every time, yeah. like a knife to the heart. Uh, so that's crazy. 
But the thing I was would ask Christy is if you like in that same workplace, if you think about it, did you know what the policy was if you were sick? Yeah. <laughs> did you know have a sense at least of what they might have done for you had you broken your leg or your arm or something like that? Mm-hmm. Like we see all of those things being accommodated and dealt with in the workplace, but grief, where we. Bleh. We just don't want yeah, to. I mean, there. they would have, yeah, they have the policies, but then it's like really vague. Like, who does this policy apply to? Right. How close a person does it have to be? Like, that's just so interesting and such a good point that you bring that up. That in order for things to change, you know, we as business leaders need to make an example in saying, hey, this is top of mind, just the same as if you got sick or just the same as if something else that might hinder your performance happened. This is top of mind because we want to take care of you. And like you said, that really helps build loyal employees, which that is going to help us at the end of the day. So if for some reason you're not motivated to help people (laughs) just for the sake of helping them, this helps your business too by building these employees who are really going to appreciate you. And it's going to build it throughout the team, right? Because everyone else will see you being responsive to someone in need. And that's what leadership is about, right? It's about setting an example. It's about really creating the workplace culture that you want and that you want people to emulate. So if you're as the leader out there saying, oh my gosh, I don't even know what to say and I don't know what to do, but let's figure it out together. We have flexibility. We have capacity in other parts of the business for people to take on some of your tasks temporarily. We're all here for you. When everyone hears those kinds of things being said, even if it's not to them, That tells them a lot about the place that they work. That's such a good point. And I also kind of want to loop back to something you said earlier. If we are in a place where we do maybe know particularly an employee is grieving, what are some steps we can do to make that easier for them? You just noted you had to tell so many people over and over again. I mean, as a CEO, that's something I want to know and say, hey, I want a policy in place where if somebody tells me this, it goes straight to the important people, but they don't have to repeat it again and again, or all those little things that we should be aware of that it's not that we don't care. We just don't know what's going to happen. So maybe a system for getting the word out to important people, having a conversation with them about how they want it handled, because I know different people react different ways. You know, what, what are some other things there? Yeah, I think those are super key at the telling people, especially if you could take that off people's plate. That's mm-hmm. huge because that part is just, it's, I mean, I'm two and a half years now into having to tell people and it's still yeah. terrible. And you still have to like guess every minute, like, ooh, how much should I say? It, uh, it's just yucky. So if you could take that off people's plate, that's huge. I think like sitting down with them and saying, let's do a review of your tasks. What are the, like, these have to get done or the, the whole thing will fall apart. Mm-hmm. Do you have the capacity to do those right now? And if you do, great. Let's make those the focus of these peripheral ones. Which do you really love? Which give you some pleasure? Okay, hold on to those. Do you care about this one? Because if you don't care about it, we'll find somebody else. Mm -hmm. And then we'll touch. And I think the the other thing that I hear from grievers is it's really helpful to know that that you will loop back. So you're taking Mm -hmm. on the responsibility to help them manage this. And it's not, as you were saying, it's not up to them to have to go and say, oh, I'm having a really bad day today or I would really like that task back because now I'm feeling some more capacity and I've realized I really miss it. So if you set it up with them, so you're going to loop back in, you decide how long, 
next week, two weeks, a month, whatever it is, that's really helpful. Because the other thing that happens is grief is your sense of time. It, it's just gone. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> so if you said to me in those early days when I was showing up because I had to be at work and I wanted to be at work, come back to me in two weeks and tell me how this is working. I, I would not have probably been able to do that. And not everybody's in the same spot, but enough are enough struggle with time that it's worth being aware of. So if you take it on as the leader to say, I'm going to come back to you next week and touch base and see how you're doing. Then the griever also knows they don't have to worry about that. They can focus on, okay, great. I have this core group of tasks that have to get done and that I'm in charge of. Super. I have this other one that I really enjoy. I'm going to be able to do that. And then people I trust are taking the rest. And we're going to talk about that again. So that's not a permanent change. Yeah. And right? Because you need the way them... to get those jobs back and feel like they're, as they're gaining capacity, they need to also have that sense that they're like regaining themselves, right? You're mm. relearning. I was listening to a fascinating talk yesterday about the neuroscience of grieving. So this is a woman who's studied grievers like in the imaging machines and talked about grief mm-hmm. and seen where the brain is firing. And she was talking about all the relearning that has to happen. Yeah. So that's really key and something that you could support at work. Absolutely. Right. So we're going to take yeah, this away from you for now, but let's talk about it next week and see how your capacities are, see how you're doing. And then we'll see. Yeah. That's really interesting and not something I've always thought about, about getting them back to the place they were in terms of, I don't want to say normalcy because obviously, yeah. you know, that's not the case, but allowing them to come back to a place of here's where I was before I can get back there. It's possible. That's really interesting because I'm sure through that process, you're kind of losing yourself too and in, in who you knew you were. And so yeah. there's grieving for that, but then there's also maybe an additional grieving for, okay, I'm not who I was anymore. I mean, Absolutely. even something as little as I was pre-COVID, I was fitness instructor and now I'm not. Right. <laughs> All through it, I, I tried to stay working out, try to stay in shape, whatever. And just a couple months ago, I was like, I don't know how I did that. I woke up at 5 a.m. I went and taught a group of people. I went to work, like all these things that I'm like, man, I wish I could do that again. I don't know how I did it. Yeah. But just realizing, and, and I know that's kind of the progression of life, but sometimes it takes a moment for you to be like, I'm not who I was anymore. Yeah. And that's the kind of COVID losses that we're talking about too, right? That sense of, like I was right on the cusp of this amazing project or this yeah. launch of a product or whatever it was, everything fell apart. And we can carry a lot of pride and gratitude that we were able to pivot, we were able to recover, whatever we were able to do. And now we're kind of continuing to create whatever's next. And, right, it's a lot of the both and. And we can feel really sad about not still having that thing or not still being that person. Mm-hmm. And you're spot on. It's that sense of you've lost whoever you've lost. For me, it was a son. I've also lost myself because I have no, like my whole identity is now blown to pieces mm-hmm. and I have to figure that out. And then the other thing that happens is you lose a lot of friends because people don't know how to show up. And so they disappear. Yeah. So it's just grief on top of grief on top of grief. And then if you're also at work, where there's no capacity to acknowledge that something catastrophic has happened in your life and it's all like falling apart and you're trying to figure out what way is up, then it's just, it's layered on layered on layered on layered on layered on layered. And that's, I think, where we have to start denying. 
right? Then we have to go into, I can't carry all of this at once. So I have to shove some, I have to stuff it. I have to just disengage from it. And that's where we get into ongoing health and mental health and all of that complications because we're, we're not able to put ourselves in a position where we can just let it all be okay. And really that's the big message, right? This is a normal, healthy part of life. Losses happen. Losses of people, losses of your identity as a fitness instructor, right? Losses of our cruises. I'm still mad about it, right? <laughs> but it is a part of life. And if we can practice that, you know, in the little losses, right? If I can think about, I'm still mad about losing that cruise. Okay, what do I need to do to release that, to let it be okay? For me, it's very complicated because it was a trip that my son was supposed to be on. So it has all kinds of additional layers of complication. But if we can do that with those little losses and practice and build our capacity and our, our muscles and our skills, then when the big ones happen, we're more equipped to help people. And mm -hmm. the flip side works too. If we're able to learn on the fly and just come in vulnerable, imperfect, you know, with all the empathy we have, ignoring all the things we've been taught to say and just speaking from our heart, you know, then when the little ones come, they're like piece of cake that those are easy because we already have the skill set. We've already practiced. We've already thought about, okay, what could this mean for my business and my employees? And then when it comes to your clients and customers, lots of them are grieving too. And so then for me, there's a couple of things I would say about that. I think we need to really examine as business leaders how we talk to our customers in a casual way. So here's, here's one of my major pet peeves. We ask all the time as a transactional question, how are you? Mm -hmm. How are you is not a transactional question to me, right? And it's kind of an expected, like, I'm going to move on. It's Fine. not really like you want an answer. Because oh. if someone was like, oh, this is going on, I would be like, oh, could you imagine guard. in those early days of when the cashier asked me if I was okay, I had told them the truth? Exactly. Like this guy would have fallen down. It feels no, like. No, I'm not right? good. So to me, that there's a real danger there. First of all, for people who are in a whole bunch of emotions for whatever reason, grief being one of them, it makes you want to scream out loud and punch people in the face. I have to say that for me was for sure one of my triggers. I was like, you don't care. You don't know me yeah. well enough for me to tell you what's really going on for me. And the fact that the yeah, world expects care, me to say don't fine ask. is ridiculous. So that would be one thing. If we can shift that to, did you find everything today? That's a very reasonable question for the cashier to ask me. Mm -hmm. And it's not asking me to lie about my emotions. We've created yeah. this kind of whole system where we're all complicit in never actually talking about emotions. How are you fine? How are you good? Neither of those are true because they're not even real things anymore. Those words are now meaningless. It's this weird transaction. And the other one that really made me want to scream at people, and I don't have a perfect answer for this one, was the, so how are you? Fine. I'm passing you your coffee now, and now I'm going to say, have a good day. Yeah. That's not possible it's, for me. And It's so, a transaction that we've been kind of built to do. Yeah. But I think over time, we've almost made those words and that transaction lose their meaning by using them so casually. Yeah. So what if you said, thanks for coming? Or... Thanks for your order. Or we appreciate your patronage. I don't know. There's a million things we could say other than have a nice day. And it was interesting in those early days, I really avoided situations where I would have to deal with those two things. And one day I went to grab a coffee somewhere 
And the barista who passed me my cup said, I hope you have a good day. And just that was such a shift for me. I was like, oh, oh, it's not like an order that I then you get all in your head about, right? They're telling me I'm, and the society thinks I'm supposed to be having a nice day or a good day. And I'm like, that's it. You know, you get all that whole conversation in your head. Instead, it was, oh, that is a lovely hope to have for people. I have that hope too. I hope you have a good day. So just that shift was really amazing and, and allowed for that sense of connection. Like this is someone who was wishing me well, as opposed to saying, have a nice day. How are you? Have a nice day. Like, it's so weird. It's so weird. Yeah. And the other thing I would say about customers is to just really think about it's going to be different with each one, depending on the relationship that you have with them. So here's my example of that. I have a physiotherapist I've worked with for 25 years since before my son was born. So she knew me when I was pregnant with him. She's been there for the good, the bad and the ugly, right? The births, the deaths, the marriage, the divorce. She's been there for it all. So I have a very different relationship with her. And I talked my grief out on her table. We both cried for my 40 whole 45 minute session many times. And that was okay because I had that relationship with her. And you will have customers and clients where you have that kind of relationship. Flip to, I don't know, three weeks ago, I was at the hygienist, at the dentist. New dentist, new hygienist. They don't know me from Adam. And when I was in the chair and she's cleaning my teeth, you know, this is how it works, right? Grief is a strange visitor. She's cleaning my teeth and I started to cry. And I was emotional because I realized I had, in fact, never been to the dentist without Ben. Because I, he still lived with me and he didn't drive. So we still went to the dentist together. And I hadn't been since COVID for all kinds of reasons, many related to grief. And I was finally back at the dentist. So I started to cry in the chair because I'm all of a sudden, here comes the tsunami. And I thought, well, that's fine. Like, I've had this visitor for a while now. I kind of know I'm just going to cry and I'm just going to keep going on with my day. And the hygienist, bless her heart, asked if I was okay. She said, are you okay? And I said, yep, I'm fine. Like, just keep, I just, like, just keep going. This is clearly a lie, right? I'm, I'm crying in your dental chair. So I get it. But as the griever, I get to make that choice. I don't know you from Adam. I don't yeah. need to be spilling all my things at my first dental cleaning at the new dentist. So I feel for her in the situation because she's just trying to navigate what's going on. And so I'm crying. So she keeps cleaning. And then she asked me again. And I said, I'm really okay. You're not doing anything wrong. Just keep going. She asked me a third time. And so now we're in a situation where I am going to double down on my lie. Because mm -hmm. now it's just beyond beyond. <laughs> it just, and I now can't even barely carry on a conversation because now I'm all in the tsunami. And she is trying her best to acknowledge something that's happening in the room. And both of us are like not succeeding in communicating and connecting, right? So in that circumstance, like I, that's where we go back to that griever-centered approach, right? If you have someone who's clearly upset but is saying they're fine, it's okay to say, I can see you're upset, if it's about something that I'm doing that I have control and I can fix, please tell me. And if it's not and you don't want to talk about it, that's okay too. And I'm just going to keep going with what we're doing. Yeah. And I can imagine giving somebody the freedom to not talk about it yeah. is so liberating because 
like you said, that question is, how are you? Tell me this. Tell me this. And you're like, no, like, no, I don't have to tell you this. You don't know me. You don't deserve to know this. And so that's so good. Such good advice to be like, and it's probably something we're all feeling. We just don't voice. Yeah. So saying to someone, hey, you know, something's clearly going on. You do not have to share with me if you don't want. I just want you to know that I'm here if and when you do. But it's your emotion, your feeling to work through. Yeah. That was probably something that's so liberating. Absolutely. And that's, I think, where we get all, especially around grief, but around emotional things, period. We don't have great emotional language and ability to converse about it. We could start there, right? And work There's up to no grief. instruction manual. Nobody told me that. No, right? <laughs> this was not in my MBA training, right? Yes. Yep. I mean, luckily it is starting to be now. We're starting to have some of these conversations in leadership training. But most of us don't. And, and then we're scared to practice because we're going to do it wrong, right? But if we can just remove all of those things we think we're supposed to say, this is another place, like everywhere else in your life, you should release all the supposed tos, right? I'm supposed to know what to say. I'm supposed to deal with it perfectly. I'm supposed to not have emotions at work, right? If we can just release all of that and think about what, like that empathy set, what would I want someone to say to me in this situation? That's what empathy is about, right? We're, we need to get past sympathy. P pity, sympathy is not helpful. It's not actionable. It doesn't build connection. It distances us, right? We remove ourselves from the situation and say, oh, I'm so sorry. I feel bad for you. That distances me. That isolates me further. If we can say, well, there's something going on, I can tell there's something going on. As you said brilliantly, Christy. If there's something I can do, please let me know. If you don't want to talk about it, we don't have to. If you want to talk about it, we can go for a walk. We can talk about it here. It can be behind closed doors, whatever it is. That's a gift to both of us. Because I'm sure that hygienist, and I have a follow-up appointment next week. We're going to have a talk, right? Because I will be much more equipped to be a grief educator instead of a grieving mom, right? As I balance those two things. So I will have a talk and repair what I did. But all she wanted was to make sure everything was all right. Mm -hmm. And that she wasn't hurting me. <laughs> Right. That's just yeah. great to get my teeth. Right. Right. So if we can just put away all of that. Okay. And even if you try that once, try that once and it didn't work. It's okay to say, I just want to be sure I'm not hurting you. And, you know, let that be okay. And that reminded yeah. me of something else that I talked to business leaders about at all. When you were talking about what support we could provide a griever. Grievers need somewhere to grieve. So when you feel that tsunami coming, like for me, I just cried at my desk. It was fine because yeah. I was in a situation where that was okay. For a lot of people, they don't feel okay with that. And especially with so many like open plan, like open offices, or if you're in a retail situation, mm -hmm. we're all sharing the same space. If you can have a, a space where it's like, if you get overwhelmed and you just need a few minutes to breathe, here's a space, here's a safe place, right? Where you can uh, go. And we just I know that, that you just need a minute alone or or yeah. take yourself and go for a walk or whatever it is. But that kind of permission to take care of yourself is really big too. Like yeah, if you need I to go take five minutes, just give me a high sign and we'll know that's what it's about and you just take care of you. Yeah, I distinctly remember at, it was my first job out of school and I was in busy season. So, you know, tax season, it, it's brutal. It's mm -hmm. really hard. <laughs> and for your first one ever, something went wrong. I was really frustrated. And my like when I'm overwhelmed or when I'm frustrated, I just cry. Yep. I'm not sad. I'm not upset. It's just like how my body releases emotions. So I'm sitting at my desk. I'm like on the edge of the, the walkway. So everybody walks by my desk and I'm just like crying and people will not stop coming up to me. And I'm like just 
leave me alone. <laughs> just let me cry because I need yeah. to process. And before I knew it, because there was like something that I was frustrated going on that I was trying to fix. So people around me were like, no, we got this. We can help you. And I'm like, no. And I, I can vividly picture there was like a circle oh, around no. me. And I was like, just stop. Like <laughs> I probably got up and stormed away at some point because I was like, I just need, I need tears to process sometimes. Yeah. yeah. And the fact that people, and I wasn't even sad or mad. I was just overwhelmed yeah. and it was my body releasing something. So I was like, you can't even come over here and fix it because there's nothing to fix. It's just like, there's a lot here. Yeah. And my body's going to let something out. Yeah. But it's just, yeah, having that space to like go do that in private is, yeah, that would be so encouraging. Or if you even have protocol or procedure, it's like, hey, I need to step away. Yeah. That would have just made in that moment my life so much better if other people could understand. Give her five minutes. She'll be back. Then we can proceed in a much more efficient way yes. than everybody crowding around and trying to fix it at a time that's not appropriate. Because you probably lost hours. Right? Um, when you when I'm, lost like, To this day. Yeah. To this day, I'm thinking about it because yeah. the reaction was so terrible. Yeah. Yeah. And that's where <sighs> that ripple effect happens, right? If you have these protocols in place where we all have emotions, we're going to have moments we're overwhelmed. When we're overwhelmed, here's what we can do that's healthy. Just go, oh, yeah, I'm, in, I'm having a moment. Go deal with it. We're all adults. We are, you know, and that's the other thing is we're, we need to give people permission to own it and to be okay with it. And for them to be adults, you get to say, oh, uh, you know, in, in another life, I was a, a substitute teacher. And I used to love working in a classroom where when the kids had to go to the bathroom, they had a signal of some sort. So a lot of them, they just make a W and that you knew that's what, and so you just nod and off they go. And then you would go into a classroom where the kid had to come up to you and say, Miss J, and I'm like, why are you here telling, just go. And they're like, oh no, we have to get permission. Oh, okay. Because of course it's the substitute you're coming in to try to not disrupt their entire world, right? Okay, great. Yeah, come up and, but why? Like we're all most of the time, most of us, right? None of us are perfect. So this is not always going to go well. But most of us are able to self-regulate for the most part. We're able to kind of go, ooh, I'm in overwhelm. This is how my body deals with overwhelm. I'm with you. I have a very similar story of my early working days where I'm sitting at my desk booing and a hooing and people are like, what happened? I'm like, I right? <laughs> but for the most part, we can manage. You knew in that moment what you needed. You just needed to cry. It was just your body releasing all the overwhelm so that you could go, okay. And now I get back to this frustrating task and I figure it out and I move on with my day. But because we don't give each other permission to have all those emotions, to have emotions, to feel them, to let them pass through, to let them go on, to hold on to them tight when we need to, whatever it is, we create this whole weird environment. So if we have that protocol in place, when you're in overwhelm, what could we do? And develop it as a team. This doesn't need to be top down, right? The most functional workplaces, a lot of those protocols are developed as teams. Where you sit down together and say, hey, I learned this new thing and we should really talk about it. Like, how has this been working for you? I never even thought about it, but I was listening to this great podcast you should subscribe to and like, right? And then I found this new thing out. And so how could we put that into place here? How can we talk about everything since COVID and just have a like a big group, you know, breakdown and then acknowledgement and then move forward? There's lots of yeah. ways to do it. And there's no right way because every business is different. Every, every boss is different. But I think that the universality is that everybody wants a workplace where people feel seen and heard and valued 
And I think a key to that is having it be sort of some kind of version of emotionally friendly. Yeah, I love that. And just bringing this conversation to light, I think, has been so important today because, like you said, we're not going to change things if we continue the stigma of we can't talk about this and we have to hide our emotions. So, Suzanne, thank you so, so much for being here today. I know I have gotten so much out of this and I'm sure our listeners have too. If our listeners want to connect with you, where can they find you? So the best place to find me that's easy is at my website, which is a lived experience. And there's, of course, links there to all the socials. So they're the YouTube and the Facebook and the Instagram, all those things. They're all under the same name. So if you can just, but that's the easiest place to find it. Just go to the website and then click through to the ones that you want to follow. And then I have a newsletter as well that comes out. I'm going to switch it to every two weeks because that's plenty. I'm being overwhelmed. (laughs) I don't know if you're in the same place as me. I'm like, when did I sign up for that? And why do I have my eighth um, email from you this week? Like, I, I don't yeah. need to know that much about you. Yeah, yesterday I was like, it's been a month since I've sent mine out. So maybe I'll just re- realign yeah. it and say, it's going to be every two weeks. Yeah. Every week, because that was too much. Yeah, I think every two weeks is lots. And that just sort of has tips and tricks. And if I've done a podcast that's been published or whatever, links to those kinds of things so you can get more information. And then, yeah. Uh, any information about training that I have upcoming or things that I'm offering is all on my website too. Perfect. And I will make sure that all of those are linked in the show notes as well so that our listeners can easily click them and then go there if they are looking for any additional support. So thank you so much, Suzanne, for being here today. We've really appreciated this conversation. And to our CEOs, we'll see you next week. 